0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. No, I'm not an epidemiologist. But yes, I talk about COVID. And the more people tell me I'm not allowed to talk about it, the same people who tell me you're not allowed to talk about critical race theory, you're not an educator, the more I'm going to talk about it. Because it is obvious to any rational mind, that the objective is to keep people from engaging in conversation. That's the objective. The objective is to keep people from having a discussion. And I received an email to this effect, but it was absolutely lovely. Of an email and the right there. There's no way that it was shared with me in a way that was, Hey, it's just between you and me. Cause people say, Hey, it's just between you and me. No, no, no. This was an email to explain why a middle school, Noblesville East Middle School decided to go virtual. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz radio parlor, Instagram, Twitter at Tony Katz, everything at TonyKatz.com. They went uh, virtual because as is reported, they had 60 positive COVID-19 cases, 200 quarantine students since the beginning of school. All I can do is go by the reporting. So when I get this email and it says, no, 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 here are the numbers. Well, that's fine. I appreciate the numbers, but I have to go by the reporting. So I didn't do anything wrong if I'm utilizing reporting from local sources. If that reporting changes, I share it. And sometimes there's a reason you wait, like, for example, after there's a shooting or something else, because everyone gets it wrong. It's why I don't trust the reporting just on social media. Everybody's rushing to be first. No one wants to be right. It's a problem. Noblesville schools, according to a letter sent to families, 20% of the middle school's population is currently absent due to illness including 50, five zero COVID-19 cases reported last week and another 12 on Monday. Note they do not say cases that require hospitalization. They just say cases. The 20% of students, according to the reporting, does not include students with illnesses other than COVID-19 but does not account for students who had close contact with people who tested positive. This, according to the school district. Now, this is a conversation about contact tracing. And let me tell you, I am not a believer that this provides any value whatsoever. There is no value at all in contact tracing. The contact tracing is supposed to say, OK, somebody has COVID. Let's see who they were with, who they were around, et cetera. You're supposed to be able to get people and then you get them isolated. And so you're not spreading uh, the, 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 the virus. Well, since we know that a vaccinated person can still get COVID. And we've already seen that people who have had COVID can get COVID again, but they have the antibodies. So what it's really doing is keeping them from getting ill right? Radically ill. Somebody who's been exposed can be exposed again. The question is, are they getting ill? Are they getting hospitalized? That's the question. Even when we look at the increases of hospitalizations going on out there, it is not all from COVID. RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, takes up a tremendous amount of those beds. This is a conversation of nuance. The contact tracing is supposed to be able to provide some kind of safe result, but it doesn't. What it does is it punishes kids for being in proximity. It doesn't keep anybody safe. So if a health department deems that contact tracing and who is connected and forcing them to quarantine says that that quarantine brings a a health value, they are mistaken. They are inaccurate. They are wrong. Now, somebody wants to correct me, I'm all ears. But I keep going through their numbers, their conversations. Now, this letter I got said uh, that um, the total absences, not including the contact traced kids, reached over 20%. And that's why they shut things down. County health departments shut schools down when they reach total absences of 20% or greater. I can appreciate that. And that's a really important data point to know. So if somebody's looking at Noblesville schools and saying, oh, look at you, closing things down. If there is an edict that has been in existence that we would have accepted in any other circumstance and situation, saying we got 20% absences, all right, let's fi- let right, right, let's give the school a cleaning. In any other situation, we would be like, yeah, okay, let's give the school cleaning. That's a rational thing to do. But we are not dealing with rationality. The email to me states, we did not want to shut down, but we need, do need to protect our students and our community. This is faulty logic. I reject the idea That anybody is being protected when you shut down schools because of COVID. Because that's not how this works. The school being shut down does not protect the child because when you go back, the same situation applies. By definition, as you describe it, as you write it out, as you explain it, these people who believe in the contact tracing and believe in the shutting things down in virtual school, it applies. We did this, and we still got variants. We're going to have variants for the rest of our days. Shutting things down is valueless at this stage of the game. It doesn't work, and it hurts students more than it helps students. So the idea that we need to protect the students and the community – first things first how dare you bring up the community can we stop this can we stop the idea of protecting math science reading that's your gig what do you think you're doing maybe you need to take the step back in the breath schools take a step back in a breath and 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 know your role slow your role If you wanted to make an argument that you had something going through really hurting children, some virus, some issue, and you wanted to shut down a school, you know what people would say? Okay. But it doesn't hurt children. The numbers of children being affected by COVID is still remarkably, remarkably small. We took a look at the British uh, data A ten-thousandth of a percent? Ten-thousandth of a percent. Yes, I could take a look at every headline just like you. Fueled by Delta variant surge, child COVID hospitalizations soar. That's the... uh, This is Fox 43. This is out of uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. More children are being hospitalized from COVID-19 as a percentage of total hospitalizations than any other time in the pandemic. This from the American Academy of Pediatrics, which flat out lied about mask wearing. Former Harvard medical dean saying we don't listen to the American Academy of Pediatrics. They have provided no data for their theories. This is the article. More children are being hospitalized from COVID-19 as a percentage of total hospitalizations than at any other time in the pandemic. They've already qualified it in the first paragraph. Second paragraph. It's still a small number. Kids make up 2.3% of the hospitalizations, up from 0.8% in May 2020. Guys, what in the world are we doing? Children now make up 15% of all COVID cases in Pennsylvania. Meaning what? Hospitalized? On ventilators? No. Getting through it? Yes. Yes. Delta variant is more contagious. It has an R-naught of 7, which means for every person who has Delta, 7 people can be infected. COVID-19 was an R-naught of 3. HIV, an R-naught of 4. Chicken pox, an R-naught of 10. Measles, it's 18. For every one person who has measles, 18 people can get infected. That is pretty rough, and I'm not arguing the 7. But the infection, the contagiousness, is different than the hospitalization. And the increase in hospitalizations is also attributable in larger degree from the doctors we speak to here to RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, which also takes place when kids are in closer proximity. So when you put kids in isolation, when you told kids they had to lock down, when you told them they couldn't be with their friends, you had far fewer cases of RSV. But when you had a summer where everybody was hanging out together again, this virus, which has been around for forever and usually affects kids too. Two years and younger it's about how you get the mucus out of your system picture it you're a kid with a cold and you don't have the skill set or the muscle set to be able to talk a loogie right to, to cough it out well that can create a real problem for you very uncomfortable and 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 you could have some some serious breathing issues you go to the hospital for that Well, they're seeing it in kids older, too, now because there's been more interaction. So the things that didn't take place in the normal season, which would be the winter season, are taking place in the summer season, and that is leading to the amount of force and impact and and stress on hospitals. Never mind the fact that you have a massive nursing shortage and people are overworked. That is not to take away from the fact that there are people in ICUs. But it isn't all children with COVID. That's the lie. And it is wrong to say that you are protecting the students by taking them out of school. You are hurting the student by taking them out of school. So the idea that a health department has a rule, 20% and over, boop, shut it down. Maybe the rule has to be looked at. And we have to ask ourselves, is the rule in proper application based on what we know is the issue? And as we know what the issue is, it seems very clear that closing the school is not the right answer. So, by the way, is wearing a mask. Wearing a mask is not the right answer. If we want to care about the well-being of our students, wait, uh, the word is protect. I, I do. I will admit on a personal level, I take great offense to schools and teachers and others discussing protecting students. Parents protect students. You educate. You want to protect students? Armed guards. Those teachers who want to carry a firearm, who go through a training that's put together by the school and by the local municipality, let them carry a firearm. That's protecting students. I don't I don't listen to teachers tell me they're protecting students. I also don't listen to teachers tell me uh, that it's their kids and their classroom. No, no, no. Parents' kids, parents' classroom, we pay. That, I, I just want the respect given. I would like it if it teachers and administrators respected their employers. That would be great. Be, I'd be find find it super helpful. Masks don't work. I'm digging into this this study this this Canadian uh, mask study, uh, and uh, it 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 shows uh, that changing out the air. Twice an hour, twice an hour has more of an effect in reducing COVID than any mask. If a mask, even an N95, has a three millimeter gap, its usefulness, its usefulness in stopping COVID, 3%. What the hell are we doing? What do we do? What do we think we're doing? So let us be clear that the the Delta variant should not be shutting down schools. And it doesn't shut down schools. People of a certain political set shut down schools. Shutting down schools hurts children. It doesn't help them. It does not keep them safe. And we should stop doing it. And I will admit that while I, I so much appreciated the email and the sharing of data, somebody reaching out, that's awesome. Somebody thinking enough of us. Remember, it's not just me. It's, it's, it's what we're sharing together. Things enough of us to be able, hey, check out this. I always appreciate that. Even if I disagree, I appreciate people taking time and effort and caring enough to make that happen. So I greatly appreciate the email. But we should be clear that just because I appreciate the email doesn't mean I agree. Schools should be open, masks should be off, and let us get through this and what comes next. I'm Tony Katz. I don't know what it is with a MacBook, where sometimes everything is working fine, and then next thing you know, I it, no matter no matter what you do, everything like I'm typing and it's taking forever for the words to show up. I don't know what that is. I have no idea why that, that's happening. It's like this all of a sudden this lag that appears within my my laptop. So if anybody knows how to diagnose that, I'd greatly appreciate it. If I could find, you know, Doogie Hauser Mac D, it would be terrific. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Absolutely. Uh, it is the Singapore Prime Minister telling Kamala Harris that the United States image is in doubt because of what took place in Afghanistan and is still taking place in Afghanistan. Yeah, I just want to thank the Prime Minister of Singapore for noting it because it's clear that they don't know it. This part is totally clear. If you heard my conversation with former U.S. Senator Jim Talent, it's again the legacy conversation. I, not only do I think I'm right on this, like I'm, I'm going to the grave with this mother. Biden was more interested in ending the war, it was anything else and nothing else mattered, including other people's lives, it would get figured out. And if Jim Talents is correct, that the Defense Department did what they were told to do, secure the embassy, they secured the embassy because they weren't engaged in coordination regarding uh, evacuation, then that's a failure of leadership so great from the White House that you simply cannot survive it. But when you hear the Vice President, Kamala Harris, laugh, laughing off questions. What's your response to a reports of Americans? Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on, everybody. <laughs> Why the hell are you laughing? Control yourself, you child. Well, Tony, it's a nervous tick. An unacceptable one for the presidency. Now, everyone get, get right with me here. I didn't say people couldn't have nervous tics. They couldn't have things. I know I've got mine, but some of them are disqualifying, and I don't want to be told I have to accept it. When you giggle like a schoolgirl while people are trapped in Afghanistan, knowing they're going to die, you're not ready for the big leagues. You're not good enough for leadership. Step aside, child. There are strong women out there, and Kamala Harris ain't one of them those are the facts Tony Blair the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom wrote a piece about the horrible withdrawal and referred to the operation as imbecilic now it's important to note that a lot of people took this as Tony Blair referring to Joe Biden as an imbecile that is not what happened he referred to the withdrawal as imbecilic there is a difference he wouldn't have been wrong I just want to say there's a difference So if the prime minister in Singapore is also noting, hey, um, the perception of the U.S. right now, not very good. Let them know this. Let Americans know this so they can vote accordingly in 2022. This is Tony Katz today. There's a sheriff in Wisconsin who has decided that inmates will now be referred to as residents and those in our care so they can maintain the dignity of criminals. The woke people are going to get us killed. They just ruin everything. God, they're terrible. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Facebook Tony Katz Radio and be sure... To go to TonyKatz.com and get the podcast, and don't forget the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Oh, that thing is just crushing. Cigar and bourbon lifestyle, fantastic escape from all the insanity. Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Uh, you can get an Apple podcast, Amazon Music via Audible, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, all of it. Eat, Drink, Smoke is what you do. Eat, Drink, Smoke show.com. The staff at the Dane County Jail in Madison will no longer refer to those in jail as inmates. They're not residents, though. They're inmates. They have done a thing. They've been adjudicated guilty. So what's the point? It doesn't do any good. This, This is about you, the sheriff of Dane County, making yourself feel better, isn't it? Calvin Barrett. Is this about making you feel better? It's like the people who say that you can no longer call a master bedroom in a house the master bedroom, because that's that that's bigoted. Do you know how out of your head you are? I'm going to say something to you right now. If 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 you are black, follow me. Follow me, my people. If you are black and you buy a house you sleep chances are in the master bedroom you call it the master bedroom it is not racist nor bigoted when you do it it is not racist nor bigoted when i do it it has a name It isn't the main bedroom. I guess you could call it that. It's the master bedroom. And calling it a master bedroom does not make one racist. You're a little bit racist. Well, you're a little bit too. I guess we're both a little bit racist. Admitting it is not an easy thing to do. But I guess it's true. Between me and you, I think everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. Let me tell you, more show tunes than any other radio show by far in all of America. Was that an Avenue Q pull? That was an Avenue Q pull, no, baby. No, that's not bad. I'm here for it. Later, I'll hit some Town. We're going to go deep. It's silly. It's embarrassing. This This is the stuff that makes rational people just lose their minds. We go nuts. We go nuts, you hear these people. Well, we can't call them inmates because that's rude and demoralizing. And society goes Not even supposed to be here today. We don't we don't want it. But they never stop. They they never stop. They never have another place and another way that that they can they can show you how good and and, and decent they are. It's just it, it is. It is maddening and it is disgusting. They're inmates they 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 aren't there they're not residents that's not how it works this is not some kind of nursing home or assisted living facility it's it's supposed to be worse than that now is it or is it not i i i i don't i don't know i think some of these places may maybe maybe a little too cushy what i do believe is that we should change how we think of incarceration The person who is incarcerated is the inmate. The question before us as a rational society is, what kind of person do we want coming out of incarceration? And there is not enough time spent on this. We don't want people to be isolated. I think it's a terrible idea. We don't want solitary confinement. That's just flat out torture. It is. Of course it is. We want people to be able to learn, to be able to grow, and to be able to have a life outside of what it is they've done. The whole concept of paying your debt to society means that at a moment the debt is actually paid and you get to go on. If we don't teach people how to go on, how do they go on? And if you say to me, well, that's not my responsibility, I'll say to you, what if it is? Maybe maybe said better, right? It's not your responsibility. You don't want to have any part in that. Okay. What is the value that we want people to bring to a society? If the purpose of prison is to pay a debt to society, wouldn't part of that be in our, in our interest that we then help people create a contribution to the society they are about to reenter? That, to me, is a rational thought, and we should be re- taking a look at re- re-looking, I was going to say, because, you know, English, good. We should be taking a look at all of it and asking ourselves, what is it that we want? How about skills? I don't oppose the idea of the box. So the the, the box is, uh, on an application, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Right? is that what it says? Convicted of a felony? Maybe it's re- written a little differently, but go with me on, on the general thesis. And then if somebody's been convicted, they they check the box. And very often you'll have employers say, oh, I'm sorry, not not for us. Oh, the position's full. I don't think people should do that. But it'd be sure as hell a lot easier for employers to be able to hire somebody if they could say, I did this. I went to jail for this number of years and while I was there, I learned this, this, and this and here's what I did and here's what I do now and here's the recommendations I have. Give me the shot. Because in the end, when you're going for a job, it's always give me a shot. You know how many times I've written an email to somebody or or called somebody and said, don't hire anybody until you talk to me, give me a shot? How do you, How do you think I got on radio? I was talking the other day about how I... Before before I took the job in Indy, I didn't know I was going to get the job in Indy. It was conversations, but until something's done, nothing's ever done. I don't know if I've ever told this story. I actually emailed a a program director in Denver, who I'm still friendly with. Cold, never met the dude a day in my life. Heard about an opening and emailed him and said, My name is Tony Katz, and, and I heard you have this e- this opening. And then... In all caps, I swear to you this is true. Do not hire anyone until you speak to me. And that guy actually called. I ended up doing a couple of fill-ins. Uh, the The Indianapolis deal was just what an opportunity and and out to India, I came, and the rest is history. and thank goodness, thank goodness it worked the way it did. But it, yeah absolutely yeah it doesn't matter who you are i didn't spend any time in jail but of course i said don't hire anybody till you talk to me give me a shot it's like trump when he's speaking to uh uh, black churches you you keep voting for these democrats they don't do anything for you vote for me what do you got to lose that's of course the answer vote for me what do you got to lose that's of course something that you can put out there but we need to with incarcerated people create you got you got to give them something that they can then utilize because it's better for all of us i didn't say that time in prison has to be a joyride i am saying what we want people to come out with what we want people to come out with is something that we can utilize in in our lives now, this is actually not the thing I wanted to get to. It's just all uh, right. It went. It, it, what I wanted to get to was this story. I, w- I was sharing it earlier uh, on The Morning Show about Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks. Just like the wild sings the song, sounds like she's singing. Ooh. Song's awesome. Song is awesome. But it was an article from the BBC that said that Edge of Seventeen is an anthem that stuns each new generation. And I was like, it does? I'm still completely floored by this idea. I think it's a great song. I think Fleetwood Mac is unsung in, in many ways. But does Edge of Seventeen strike new generations? I I don't know if if that's if that's true or if that's right or if this is just something that's meant to almost almost start a fight. Does anybody of a millennial generation take a look at Edge of Seventeen and and uh, and say, oh yeah, this this is the song that moves me. I I, I every single time. I, I, I hear it. I'm like I'm I'm moved. I, I would argue that people are like, Oh yeah, I may have heard of this song, but they don't know the song. They may have heard of the song, but they don't know the song. That's 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 my take. So the idea that it's it's of a generation or if it's you know it's 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 a, it's an a thing like that well there is this, because this isn't Edge of Seventeen. Kelly, can you, this? Michelle, can, you this? Beyonce, can you handle this? I don't think they can handle this. <laughs> right? Spootylicious, which is actually uh, producer Ari's wedding song. I he wish. People don't know this. <laughs> So okay, it did find its way into other music, but there's nobody in your generation. Your your blessed wife producer Ari doesn't think of Edge of Seventeen as some kind of anthem, does she? Not for our generation, no. Right. What about what about this? Well, How about that? Is, well, that, is I mean, that there? Bootylicious is a timeless song for anyone at my age. So I mean, you could stick that pretty much anytime, anywhere, and it's appropriate. All right. So I asked producer Ari. Uh, to come up with a a song that he would consider be you know iconic of of his uh, generation. He he is he is a millennial, uh, and and so like all right, what would be um, iconic for for your for your generation? What would it be? No Are you kidding? No In sync? You kidding me? Yeah, of course. All right, well, maybe, maybe I'm seeing it wrong. Maybe it's, it's. see, the way they wrote it is an anthem that stuns each new generation. Oh, well, they don't make music like that anymore. Well, well maybe there's a reason for it. Honestly, if O-Town can't make it, what's the point of the whole damn genre? But, like, there, nobody is listening to that. I mean, like, every generation like, ah, oh, oh, stunned and shocked. But then again, I don't think they're shocked by this either. I will admit, I I started I caught the story yesterday. I started listening to it yesterday. This song kicks. Wait, what would you call it, Ari? A banger? Banger. Man, Stevie Nicks proves that you know, no, no matter who you are. No matter where you are, cocaine makes you an incredible singer. I'm cocaine! Wait, is that what she proved? Is that not it? Did I get it wrong? Dang it. I don't know. I just, I found that story to be kind of like incredible. You know, the idea that, that this song would somehow be connecting, but I'm curious. I am curious. Are there songs that connect? generation to generation what is a song that producer ari and i have in common that we're both like oh that i can listen to that all day and i've i know producer ari's musical taste and the answer is none there is none i'm tony katz Tomorrow, I hope to have more on this about uh, Kamala Harris and her flight from Singapore delayed because of Havana syndrome. It's very, it's, 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 it's all very, very weird. And, and I know people have been talking about it. I just want to make sure that I've got every uh, bit of it. Havana Syndrome goes back to members of the U.S. Embassy in Cuba suffering headaches and brain injury uh, as if something was pointed at them, some kind of sound and uh, something that that does indeed affect people. Is is it coming from a a weapon? Is it something that's Chinese made? What's happening here? The embassy in Hanoi said, because she's in Singapore, she's supposed to head to to hanoi which uh, to to vietnam which is of course a ridiculous idea for a trip don't get me wrong ridiculous idea for a trip just silly that you would go to vietnam while afghanistan is happening in the conversations and comparisons to hanoi i mean to, to, to to saigon um but while i detest the vice president i don't it i don't wish her ill And these kinds of things are threats against the United States. And as I would see it if anybody tried to engage some kind of distress of the vice president, that is an act of war that requires firepower. Let me say it again. If you are engaged with trying to proactively harm the vice president of the United States, that is an act of war that should engage firepower that we have not used in three generations. Against those responsible, as a lesson. I don't go to war for lighter, transient causes. But she ain't heavy. She's my brother, my sister, the Vice President of the United States. I got rules. I'll I'll get into more of this tomorrow. See how it all kind of eventually went forth. Facebook Tony Katz Radio. Be sure to like the page. Tony Katz today, tomorrow. Everyone, take care.